Hey friends, welcome to the Taylor May podcast with Taylor Joy. I'm your host, Taylor, and I am beyond excited that you tuned in today. This podcast is all about giving one of my friends a seat at the table to share their story. You will hear questions and conversations revolved around faith, hardship, community, life journeys, and so much more. As you listen, I really hope you find these stories to be inspiring as you take your next step into the story God is specifically tailoring for your life. Welcome back to Taylor Made. Hello, everyone. My name's Taylor. I'm so excited that you guys are here today listening and checking in. Corinne is on this episode today, and I'm very looking forward to you guys listening just because of her story. I know this podcast is all about stories, but every story is so unique in every person I interview, especially this one. Corinne is a new friend of mine, and it has been so fun getting to know her. And a lot of what this episode is about is her journey with anorexia and how she has healed from anorexia and how she has been able to see God use that as a complete blessing in her life today. And this story is new to me as well. And it was so cool to hear the in-depth experience she had within this battle with anorexia. So with that, I cannot wait for you to learn from her. She is so wise. She is so kind and she has such a heart for people struggling through pain. So I am so looking forward to you guys listening and enjoy our time together. Literally, it's like my whole novel of like getting stories together and then you get to, you know, you get one chapter and then you're able to share all of what you've learned and witnessed. And thank you. It's I, so cool. I'm so blessed. Oh, yeah. I feel so blessed to be here. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but who are you? Your name's Corinne. Oh, yes. I am so like incredibly thankful so like at least have met you so randomly through <laughs> Eastside and through my mom yeah like that was so insane how it all happened that was that day was surreal to me I could yeah. not believe what took place that day and then I did meet you and you have just been so kind and so sweet and warm and mm-hmm. so it this friendship is blossoming and I'm really excited about that. But who am I? That yeah, is I a know. loaded question. <laughs> um, so my name is Corinne Weber and I'm a marriage and family therapist associate. And I've had a journey with mental health issues that actually brought me to kind of speak about hope and recovery. And so that's what I'm doing here today. I'm also an author and a motivational speaker for just hope and like I said mental health and also eating disorders because that's what I actually recovered from so so rad and you even being here today just to like take time out of your schedule means a lot to me so (laughs) thank you for speaking hope within my podcast and like taking the time to just yeah speak words of wisdom and (laughs) hope and encouragement Um, but meeting you was I think such a god moment absolutely like such a god moment Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sitting at home and my mom comes, my mom comes in the door, like with a random book in her hand. And I'm like, oh, cool. What's that? Like, I just asking about her day. And she's like, I met the most warm and gentle girl at Eastside today. Like, I want to tell you all about it. I was like, sure, whatever. And pretty much like you came to Eastside on a whim with your book and felt like you needed to share it with someone. And yep. that message was all about just that. Yeah. Eating disorders and, you know, your self-image and your self-worth. And you pretty much, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, like we're so flabbergasted <laughs> as to how 
how did I feel like I need to bring my book for someone when the message aligns so well with like my book and my journey and my, yeah, my, my story. And then you're able to then <laughs> bring that up to my mom at the info booth and be like, I need to give this to someone. And then it just <laughs> aligns so well. So cool. Your mom is so sweet because honestly, I was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> you're bawling. Like I literally, I was crying because I could not believe what just happened again Mm. it was one of those small little miracles that you just have to look back at and be like wow that was totally a god moment um but yeah I woke up that morning I really didn't want to go to church that day and something inside me was like no you you need to go and you actually should bring your book and I was like what like this makes no sense so I literally just grabbed my book on a whim and I went to church and the message was all about body image and, you know, not kind of comparing yourself to what's going on in the media world because that's all filtered. That's not real. And we need to be um, kind of focused on who we are and how Jesus sees us. And so that message, I was just floored because I had never heard of a church speaking about body image issues. And for me to bring my book, which is all about my recovery from anorexia it was it was god it was all god and then i went up to your mom and again i i lost all my words because i had no idea who i was going to talk to this was like a scary moment for me because i was like what What you're telling me to approach this woman and i don't know what i'm going to say so i literally just stared at your mom and was like i don't know what to say right now but Mm. this is crazy and the message completely aligns with my book i recovered from anorexia and i just wanted to give it to somebody so that somebody could have some hope and your mom took it and your mom was so sweet and gentle and i walked out of there feeling like i was heard Mm. so i'm really thankful for your mom dang that is so cool every single time i hear that and then (laughs) two weeks or you know a month later i get coffee with you and then that's when i kind of just laid out like hey like I need to hear your story like one-on-one face-to-face and then my mom also encouraged me like you should get her on your podcast so that's another reason why I was like I need to know this girl like who is she um but your story is very very powerful and I'm sure anyone that reads your book is thinking the same thing I I briefly like coming into this podcast like skimmed over it and was able to find like a few quotes that I I also resemble with because I not to the extent, but like with everyone else, like deal with a lot of, a lot of body image issues and, and thoughts and negative thoughts and comments. And so, um, with that, I can, you know, come in this with you and be Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I I get it. Like, this is something that is very, very common. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'd love to hear kind of a little bit more about who you are, your story, yeah. your recovery. You said you recovered from anorexia. Like what was that journey like for you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, in order to kind of fully grasp it, we have to go all the way back to the Let's beginning. Let's do it. <laughs> so uh, I actually grew up in Singapore. I was an American expat and um, growing up overseas was an incredibly phenomenal journey. Like I grew up there. My parents raised, I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas with my twin brother but by age nine my parents picked us up and moved us over to Singapore they wanted a new adventure and so we went out there and I experienced so many things I saw joy um, in so many different worlds and it was just a great experience altogether but it was hard it was really really hard leaving my family leaving everything that I knew and I didn't have a choice in it but 
one thing, one blessing I had at the time was my twin brother. And we were so close at the time. He was my ride or die. Like he was my everything. And I knew that if we had each other, we were going to be fine. And we remained very close for quite a long time up until around middle school or high school and following into high school, actually. So um, when middle school came about, you know, you're trying to find yourself. You're trying to discover who you are. And so my brother, you know, he is a very likable guy. He's funny. He's a big teddy bear. And so he gained a lot of attention, um, but he actually gained attention from the wrong people. And so he started making friends with um, a group of people who were making some bad decisions. And so throughout middle school, um, he started going down a path that I did not want to be a part of. And so when we got into high school, he started um, dabbling with drugs and alcohol. And that's very dangerous. Um, Just in general, it's dangerous to do, but also Um, In Singapore, they have very strict laws about this sort of thing. Mm. So um, he was doing drugs and alcohol and having a great time with his friends. But over time, it actually led him down a road of depression. Mm. And so as he was trying to manage his depression and as he was trying to cope with his own brokenness and feelings, um, he actually started self-harming. So he started cutting himself And then he started having suicidal ideations. He started having suicidal thoughts. And it got to the point where my parents were actually very concerned for his safety. And they were worried that he was going to take his life. Mm -hmm. So um, at this point in time, my parents, I understand now, it was the only decision that they could have made in order to keep my brother safe. But at the time, I didn't understand it. And the decision was that he was going to go, they were going to send him back to the United States. So in one big swoop I lost my brother and not only did I lose my brother but then I found out I was going to lose my mother as well because my mother actually decided to go with him because they really didn't think he was going to come back they didn't think that he was going to be able to survive this whole new change so when my brother was going through all of these difficult things um, I thought at the time that if I was perfect if I was the perfect daughter if I was the perfect student, if I was the perfect sister, I could keep my family together and I could heal us. Mm. And that's an impossible standard for anyone, right? Right, But to me, it it was the answer. And so when my parents told me that my brother and my mother were leaving me, I had failed. Mm. In my mind, I had, I had failed them and I had failed myself. And at this time, you know, All my life, I was a Baptist Christian. I was raised in the church. Um, My family were strong Christians as well. But at this moment, I did not like God. And I didn't want any part of God because I could not believe in a God who would allow somebody to have so much pain and take everything away from me. So um, my junior year of high school, my brother and my mother left. And... um, My father was an international lawyer at the time, and so he was in and out. So I was truly, truly alone, and I felt very abandoned. So I was in this darkness with no hope, truly. I didn't have my God. I didn't have my family. um, I didn't have anybody who would truly understand me. 
And so out of this and to deal with my own pain and to deal with this darkness that I was in, I stopped eating. Mm -hmm. And so I started losing weight. And as I started losing weight, I'll never forget it. The popular girls actually started to notice me. And so they said, Corinne, have you lost weight? You look good, mm. you know? And, and that, that's all I heard. Mm. Corinne, you've lost weight. You look good. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm beautiful now. Mm. And again, that perfectionism side came, came about, right? And I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to be noticed. I wasn't getting any attention at home. I was lost and broken at home. And then all of a sudden, teachers, friends, um, peers, parents started to know that I was losing weight and they would comment on it. And they would just say, hey, Corinne, you're losing weight. You're doing a great job. You're looking healthy and strong. You're looking really pretty. And I was just like, this is what I need to do. And I'm good at it. And as I stopped eating, um, I started counting calories. I started working out um, two, three times a day. Um, and I started to notice my slimming thighs, my slimming face, and I liked it. Mm. Not only that, though, I started to become numb emotionally. So I wasn't feeling the way that I had felt before. But I was very angry and very resentful of where my life had gone at mm. this point. Everybody left me, but the one thing I had was becoming thinner. Yeah. So um, at the end of that year, my brother and my mother actually returned. My brother got better. He became, he, he was his old self again. He became that loving teddy bear guy, funny guy that I always knew him to be. But my parents started to realize when they, they came back that they had gained a son but lost a daughter. Mm. And their focus, trying to save him, trying to get him back, they forgot about me. And so when they finally realized that I was in trouble, it was too late. I was already very sick. Yet I had no idea at the time. So moving forward, my senior year, I was actually diagnosed with anorexia nervosa. Mm. Um, I had no idea what that was at the time, and I was in complete denial. I was angry, bitter, and resentful toward my family. I wanted nothing to do with them, and I just wanted to get out. Um, so I ended up getting into Chapman, but my doctors informed my parents that it would be a very um, poor decision to allow me to go because I should be focusing on my recovery. I was, again, very ill at this time. Mm. But this was my dream school, and I had gotten in, and people had told me that I would never get into a four-year university. Really? Yes. Out of, out of what? Like, how, <laughs> why, why did they say that? Yeah, what was that reason? I actually had dyslexia, and so I had learning disabilities. Oh. And so I've had people my entire life telling me I can't do things. And so getting into Chapman was at the time a miracle among itself. It was my way out. Wow. So for a doctor, who I thought didn't know what the heck he was talking about, to tell my parents that I couldn't go to my dream school was a big deal to me. Mm. So after discussing it with my parents, um, they actually allowed me to go as long as I had a team supporting me in my recovery journey. So that mean, meant finding a doctor, a nutritionist, and a psychologist that I would see twice a week if I didn't want to go in-house. Mm. In-house meaning an in-treatment facility, in-house treatment facility for eating disorders yeah. and recovery. So 
I agreed. But in my head, I was thinking, heck no. Like, I am going to get out of this. I am going to maybe go for two weeks. I don't have a problem because losing weight is not a problem. Mm. So I eventually did go to Chapman and my parents dropped me off at my first year of college. And little did I know that the voice inside my head that was the only thing that I could rely on at the time, the one thing that didn't abandon me, which was my eating disorder, became the biggest monster and the most evil thing. Um, That voice changed in my first year of college. Before it was more of a coach. It would say, you know, you can trust me. Like, you're going to be beautiful. Just lose this amount of weight and people will notice you. And then the voice changed into that monster where it got extremely loud. And it would say over and over again, you are unworthy. You are unlovable. Nobody will ever love you. Nobody will care for you. You should just end it because you will never be enough. Mm. And this would play over and over and over in my head and just torment me to the point where I couldn't make friends. I couldn't focus in school. Um, And just to silence the voice, I would sleep 14 hours a day. But I was also very, very, very tired because my body was withering away. Right. It was disappearing. Um, And at 79 pounds, my grades started dropping and the depression started sinking in. I was seeing a therapist at the time, but I wasn't taking it seriously. I really didn't want anything to do with her. I was skipping appointments. Um, I was trying desperately to make friends, but nothing was working. And I just, again, I was in that darkness of bitter and anger and resentment and irritability. And all I could think about was losing weight Mm. and that voice. I couldn't do anything. I was crippled. And uh, on September 11th, 2011, I'll never forget the day. It's coming up. I know. It's It's the anniversary. That's crazy. Yeah. So um, September 11th, 2011, I was in my dorm room alone and I was sitting on my bed and I just thought, I can't do this anymore. I'm in way too much pain and this will never go away. And to be completely honest, the only way that I could see this stopping is for me to die. Mm. And um, I had that realization and I was like, okay, this is it. But then there was something, such a small whisper within my soul that just said, just try one more thing. And I had turned my back on God. I had walked away from God for three years. I had wanted nothing to do with him. But in this moment, on a last-ditch effort, I got on my knees and literally like put my face to the ground and just said, God, if you are there, you need to show me now because I cannot do this anymore. And uh, <laughs> it was crazy. Literally, not two minutes after, And it was so funny because it was like a challenge to God in my own mind, like looking back at it now. And who am I to challenge God, you know? Um, But he (laughs) he sometimes reveals himself that way. It's in in order for you to like actually pay attention. 
like yeah. oh this is a challenge i'm gonna get to that point or yeah. oh he's asking me to do this well i'm gonna do that and like it's just like this back and forth challenge with god that yeah. he's like hey just listen to me yeah just it's listen and it was so small like it was but it was there it was it was so distinct and um not two minutes after I said that prayer, that plea, I got a knock at my door and I went to go open the door with the last little bit of strength that I had. And when I opened the door, it was my best friend at the time who lived two stories above me. And she looked really concerned and she was like, Karen, I just got this weird feeling that you weren't okay, like, and I needed to come check on you. Are you, are you doing all right? And I was, I was floored at that point in time. And I fell to my knees and I just started crying Mm. because I knew I needed to make a change. Right. And I did. I absolutely did. And in that moment, I dedicated my life to God and he has done incredible things Mm. with it dang that is so powerful (laughs) like the transition between complete utter brokenness to Mm -hmm. then falling on your knees and surrender and actually and actually engaging in god's love and care for your life Mm -hmm. like and now where you're at now like you like just the (laughs) comparison is surreal like even I, I mean, I didn't know you until 11, <laughs> but like just your joy and like the life transformation in your heart right now that I see is out of this world. <laughs> like from that point on, like just imagining what could have happened if that engagement wasn't, you know, didn't occur or your friend didn't say yes to that urge to come see you. Like yeah. what ifs, like so many what ifs that's insane and god lined it up in such a way where it was a powerful narrative Mm. and a powerful story to talk about um but without god there would have been there would have been i would i wouldn't be here Mm. to be completely honest and it's been incredible to see what he's done with this story it's funny to look back and think of who I was when I was sick because when I was sick, I was an angry person. I wasn't a very nice person. And the transformation that he has made in my life has been so fundamental. I could have never seen myself where I am now. I would have never imagined that I could be sitting here with you talking about this and completely healed by what Jesus has done in my life. And now I get to talk to other people who are struggling as a therapist. Like, yeah, yeah. not only did I go to college, <laughs> I went to graduate school. Like, what is that? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I attribute all of that to God. Hmm. Absolutely all of it. So. So it's been so now that was 2011. Yes. So if I could do math right, it's been <laughs> like eight years since that point. Yes. And you've said that you've been healed for six years or like you're in this healing. You've been kind of out of that for about six years so I call it kind of a journey okay um so I have been on my journey for around eight years now mm. so the moment that I dedicated my life to recovery and to Christ that's when the clock started for me 
Um, and everybody's different. Everybody who goes through recovery goes through a different journey, right? We all have our ups and downs and it is in no way, shape or form linear by any means. Um, but growing through this has given me a heart for eating disorders and hope in recovery. And, um, I hope to specialize in it so that I can help people who was in my position eight years ago. Yeah. Within that, I guess, then journey, what, or yeah, I guess what advice or wisdom have you been able to like cling onto that have, that has helped you either step out of maybe thoughts that come trickling back in or maybe habits that you maybe fall back into. Like what are some things that help you stay on that path in that straight line towards recovery? That is a very, very good question and a very loaded one at that. (laughs) I mean, take your time. We got time. (laughs) You were so sweet. Um, First and foremost, for all of the people who are feeling broken, I want you to know that you are not alone. Because I felt very, very alone um, for a very long time. And it wasn't until people actually started approaching me to talk to me was when I actually felt um, heard. And also just God, like he, he is always there. And he is always waiting for you to come back home at the end of the day. But for those people who are struggling, whether you're religious or not, please say something reach out to someone, whether it's a friend, a family member, um, and just talk. Like, I know it's scary, but talking about it is the first step to recovery. And it's one of the hardest steps, but it will get you to where you need to be in order to make that journey and that journey for healing. And it doesn't have to be just eating disorders. It can be depression, um, suicidal ideations, anxiety. I mean, there are so many things in this world that plague us and you don't have to live in that world. Right. There's people out there to help you. And, um, there's also therapists out there that have been trained to help you and want to love on you and help you through your journey. But I think, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that recovery is possible and hope is out there in a dark room a single light can illuminate your world Mm. and it only takes one so for all the people out there you know if you see somebody struggling be that one light put a hand on somebody say something that'll open a door Mm -hmm. you know so i think that's like one of the biggest things that i can say yeah to take away yeah um and God's worth it. He really is. And he's pretty amazing when you get to know him. He is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Especially with someone that didn't engage with God for three years in that very dark season. And for that door to be completely unlocked, wide open for you to come running back <sighs> speaks a lot about God's love for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That is really, really cool. You know, everybody has a monster. Mm. You know, it's not just... And, you know, in the world of Instagram and Facebook, you know, all of those things are edited and it's so easy to get caught up in it, Yep. you know, and it doesn't matter if you're a man or woman, you know, 
eating disorders in general, I mean, anorexia has the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. Um, And it's only getting worse because of what's happening in our world as of right now. I mean, and the age is getting younger and younger of when, when it's onsetting. But do not forget that what you see in the magazines and what you see online is not real. That's not real life. Like you can look at somebody and you can say, I want to be just like them, but look at yourself too and realize that you are perfect just the way you are. Mm-hmm. You are perfectly flawed and you're capable and you're, you are lovely just the way you are. God made you just the way you are and there is nobody else like you. Mm-hmm. Like think about that for a second. Nobody else has your soul. And that is so, so cool. You don't need to be thinner. You don't need to put on a ton of makeup to look prettier. You don't need to uphold all of these standards that our society tells you you need to uphold. Because guess what? Society isn't what Jesus had in plan for us. Mm. What matters is what he sees in us. And we have to remember who we are in him because we are perfectly flawed in the way that he created us. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, like we have all these standards, but remember that we were meant to be flawed. We were meant to live a life in community of broken people so that we can connect at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that we can experience like, Jesus's restoration Mm. like literally restoration is such a I think a powerful thing within lives of people that yeah come together broken hurting and then when you step into that healing it's bigger and better than you could have ever imagined yeah ever experienced absolutely absolutely and life life is worth living like, I don't know if somebody is out there right now who is thinking that life is this dark thing and isn't worth, you know, waking up the next day because life is hard. Life is really hard, but you never know who you'll meet and you never know who needs to hear your story at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. If we didn't have pain, we couldn't connect. Dang. <laughs> good it's so true though yeah it's so true there is time and time again where I yeah joy and happiness and you know things like that like it makes an environment very very lighthearted and fun to be around but when it comes to like connecting with someone in a deep pain mm-hmm. there is so much more depth in that interaction in that relationship in like storytelling like right now we're connecting on a pain that's really really real to you Mm -hmm. and how powerful it is that this is then being shown and shared and heard by multiple people that need to also feel and relate to a pain that they're struggling with and able to then find ways to experience a new way of thinking or experience a new way of joy just because they were able to connect with you through Mm -hmm. that pain Mm -hmm. speaks so much so much value (laughs) and that's a hard pill to swallow oh yeah you know it's like you have to go through something so tragic and so painful 
but it's ultimately the most amazing blessing in the end. You mm. cannot have flowers unless you have a little rain mm. at the end of the day. And that's hard. That's that's really hard to kind of wrap your head around because it would be nice if we just lived life and there was no pain, but that would be heaven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. And we're not there yet. Not <laughs> yet. Someday, but yeah. not yet. Yeah. So while we have this time on this earth, we need to connect with other people. And in order to do that, we have to have a little pain. Hmm. Who have you been able to connect with Ooh. since this this journey has been able to you know, unfold for you. Yeah. Oh man. Um, so after my recovery, um, and as I was starting to kind of go through my own process and understand what it is exactly that I was feeling, cause my, I had mentioned that I had been numb at one point in time. I needed to reconnect with me. And in order to do that, I actually started writing, which actually became my book. Mm -hmm. So all throughout college, I was writing about my experiences, trying to make sense of what happened to me and why I came to choose anorexia as my vice in a sense. I don't know if I chose it. It was just kind of, it was just a mental illness that I acquired because of my pain. Um... So as I was writing, I had the amazing capability to publish it in 2011. And through that book, God opened so many doors and allowed dreams to be realized that I didn't even know were possible. Mm -hmm. um, my book was published. I was able to reach people in Singapore, all across the world, as well as the United States. Um, it actually was optioned for a feature film. And um, that was very, very cool. We tried to make it work and unfortunately it didn't, but it opened up a platform for me to speak at hospitals, different groups, recovery groups, um, speak with parents who had children um, and adult children who were suffering with ED and just people who really needed somebody to connect with. But not only that, I was able to <laughs> have a newfound empathy for people in general. It didn't matter if they had eating disorders. It didn't matter if they were going through anxiety or if they were self-harming. I could really sit with them in that pain. And I could not understand the difference between sympathy and empathy until I sat with it. Mm. And empathy, you can reflect on your pain or you can reflect on your own experiences and really sit with somebody who's going through something. Sympathy is when you can't really connect to that person and you don't really know how to. So God allowed me to figure out what true empathy was and I use it with my clients all the time now. I truly can sit with people in their pain and empathize with their pain rather than just sympathize. Mm. Dang, that's something that I've kind of struggled with too. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to being either apathetic, like, like having like that true connection of emotion with someone like being, I'm going to bring back the Enneagram, being <laughs> a nine, it's so hard because you're, you're, you're wanting to step into that feeling with yes. them and you're really, you're truly wanting that, mm -hmm. but it's so hard for you to like actually, you actually feel those things, mm. um, and 
practicing that has been something I've been struggling with recently. Yeah. Um, so I get that. That is really cool how your story has been able to unfold that for you. Yeah. For you to deeply connect with someone emotionally that mm-hmm. is even going through something that you went through, but is mm-hmm. at least going through pain that you're able to meet them there mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, like I feel you too. You're not alone. Yeah. That's huge. You are not alone. And by the way, we all have our struggles, right? We all have different personality types on the Enneagram, right? Like I'm a two, I'm a helper of some sort. And I can help too much, right? I can feel too much to the point where I just want to save that person. Mm. And I can't save them, right? Because they have to go through their own journey. Like sometimes I wonder how hard is it for God to watch him with us going through our own struggles Mm. and he just wants to save us, but he knows the end result. After we go through that pain, after we go through that rain, we're able to change or sit with people in their pain or change the lives of others, which is exactly what he had in store for me. I truly believe that God's purpose for my life is to speak hope into the lives of other people. And I could have never done that unless I went through my anorexia. Mm. Shoot. Oh my (laughs) gosh. That is, that's such great word for someone that is either experiencing pain or trying to like help someone out out with their own pain Mm -hmm. there. I kind of went through something similar, not in that way of like, like an actual eating disorder, but like feeling very, very insecure in my body for probably junior year of high school till like sophomore year of college was very much a a, a weird season for me mm. um body image wise mm-hmm. and in that same season i was trying to be empathetic wait it's called empathetic what <laughs> yes. is it okay okay i'm yeah. like what's the word empathetic. i don't yes, want to yes, there's yes. so many other words you know either you're it's sympathetic or anyway <laughs> um but i was trying to be there for some my my roommate at the time um, and her mental disorder mm-hmm. that she was going through. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I could not control her, which was, I think a good, a good mindset. But then I felt like, but I could control my own yes. body image yes. and the way that I was able to take care of I'm doing quotes in there right now. <laughs> take care of my body with like eating less, working yes. out more, but I couldn't take care of her mental health. So, you know, whatever, I'm just going to do my own thing and like be my, my own savior. And I, I held on to that for a very, very long time. And I, 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 I didn't realize that until my junior year of college where I looked back and I didn't really have freedom. I had no freedom in myself in relationships and community. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I stepped in junior year of college, I was like, I I was then out of that relationship with my roommate. I was Mm -hmm. in a different environment and I could feel that freedom of, wow, I just, I I took control of something that I shouldn't have taken control of. And it, it, it really did crush me. And Mm -hmm. it it was a very, very hard season for me. So going back to that, that point of, you know, trying to fix someone like, you can't but what you can do is like show them show them hope and show and and encourage them in that hope Mm -hmm. and I never really engaged Mm -hmm. with that I kind of was selfish and I was like I'm just gonna take control of my own Mm -hmm. life and not worry about you in this Mm -hmm. season Mm -hmm. and that's not how friendship or community or healing works Mm -hmm. whatsoever well and I want to thank you for sharing that because it does take a lot of courage to speak 
of your truth and of your past and the things and struggles that you've gone through for sure. But you also touched on something that is so important, that control. Mm. And that's exactly what I was trying to do. Mm. Because we think we have control, but it's an illusion Mm. because God has control. Yeah. And that's how it should be. Right? Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing as perfection. Yeah. I wanted to be the perfect daughter, the perfect student, um, because I thought that if I was perfect, then all of my worries would go away. I would be fine. But there's no such thing on this earth, nor should there be, mm-hmm. because God is the only one that's perfect, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So what? So you said that within your 2011 year, mm-hmm. you were able to like journal things down and figure out like, okay, what was the causing leading source of this? Like who am I? What was going on? Did, so that time of journaling, did you then realize what you just said right there about the whole control thing? Or was that like a eight year process? Like when did you like actually like, when did you get it? When when did it like actually click in your mind that, oh my gosh, this is it. That is the beautiful thing about therapy. Mm. Um, it, it did. It was a long process because first I needed to learn how to eat again. And then I needed to learn how to feel, to actually identify my feelings. And then came the work of actual healing, right? Emotional healing, which is deep and raw. And (laughs) therapy is ruthless. Mm. There is a ruthlessness to therapy that is incredibly powerful and incredibly healing all at the same time. And so my therapist, she, thank God for her. She was incredible. And she really went there with me. She sat with me in that pain. And again, it was like that day that I sat down and prayed to God, like same sort of thing. I was in the therapy room and she had me do a technique called empty chair. And she had me speaking to basically a family member at the time. And I was like, what is this? This is so Mm. dumb. Like, I'm speaking to an empty chair. What the hell? Yeah. Dang. And it was literally the most powerful thing I've ever done in my life. Because I was speaking to my family. And I started yelling at them for abandoning me. And I instantly broke down into tears. Because that was the moment I realized that I had been abandoned. And if it was true or not, it was my reality. Mm -hmm. And now I can sit here and say, I know that my parents did that because my brother was dying on the inside. And if they hadn't intervened, he probably wouldn't be here. And I've forgiven that part. But in that moment, to realize that and for that to click, that was the first realization that I had lost that I had a loss that I had needed to grieve which was the loss of what my family had once been Mm. if that makes sense yeah (laughs) that makes complete sense that time Mm -hmm. again I'm just I'm picturing that time with you in that that room Mm -hmm. during the empty chair Mm -hmm. that's wow I, I didn't even know that was a practice. <laughs> that is so powerful. Yeah. And it's wow. really weird to be on the other side of it now, sitting in the other chair as the therapist. Yeah, I was going to say, how, <laughs> is that like, is, has that been good for, I mean, obviously I know it's been good for you, but 
is there moments where you're like why am i here sitting on this side like <laughs> this is this is strange because for so long i was on the other side yeah when i first started doing therapy i was like oh my gosh because i idolized my therapist in some ways because mm. she it was like a it was almost like she was a magician she had all these tricks <laughs> in the back pocket and now all of a sudden i know where the tricks are coming from yeah. but when i actually sat down with my first client i was like god made me for this I had no doubt in my mind because sitting there with that person was so humbling and so powerful. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. So that, were you just like called to do that? Do you feel like there was just like things that just lined up so well for you to be like a therapist now? Like what, yeah. What was that driving force for you to like actually be that person on the other side? So here's what's so crazy. I got into Chapman. I went overseas and I met, um, I met a, uh, one of the recruiters at the Singapore American school who brought me to Chapman, who showed me around Chapman. She got me into the university. And from there, I found my therapist who was a professor at Chapman that I didn't know at the time. I did not know that she was an MFT professor at Chapman as I was going through my undergrad. Wow. Once I recovered, she was my therapist and she, I would told her, um, after I had done all my work for healing and whatnot, that I wanted to give back to people and that I needed to do something like her. And she's like, you need to go into marriage and family therapy. And I was like, I can do that. She's like, of course you can do that. And you should do that. And she encouraged me to apply to different programs. Wow. All this whole time, I didn't know that she was a professor for the MFT program. I applied to Chapman. Everyone told me that there was no way in hell I was going to get into Chapman because I had a 2.7 GPA at the time and Chapman needed a 3.7 or something like that. And <laughs> somehow. How the heck? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I got in. That's awesome. And my dean, or not my dean, but the program chair ended up to be one of my old professors in the psych department. Wow. So he knew exactly my story, exactly what I had gone through because I had talked to him about it. So two people from my past, the chair and my therapist, were both the reason that I basically got into Chapman. Amazing. Mm -hmm. So from that point on, you're like, this is it. <laughs> this is it. Like, wow. it, was, it was just so clear. You know how sometimes something's so clear, you can't say no to it because it's just right there in front of you. Yep. It's scary, but it's so clear what you need to do that you just walk right through mm. dang that is so cool yeah I was curious because I mean you talking about all like your journey with your eating disorder is huge it's crazy but to see you on the other side <laughs> I've only known you for like what two months <laughs> <laughs> I think so yeah. like, for you to be on the complete other side of it yeah. Like I had friends that, you know, similar journey as you, I don't even know where, we're, where they're at now, but to hopefully know like, oh my gosh, I, I really hope they, they took that learning, that pain, that experience and have used it for, you know, maybe in their world, good, yeah. but also for your world, God's glory. Yeah. Like you were able to take that and use it for such good. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> Thank you. That is so, so, so cool. So yeah, with all that you've said about your story, dang, there's a lot of wisdom 
in you and your heart and what you've experienced. Um, so with the wisdom that you have learned within your story, um, what would you like someone else to know um, with that wisdom? What would you like to share that's, that you feel like someone should know today? Okay, first and foremost, I think I had mentioned that um, if you feel alone, you are not. Mm-hmm. And also speak to somebody, just say something. That's the first step in the journey. Um, by the way, eating disorders are not a primarily female disorder. It is not a girl, quote unquote, disease. Men and women alike can have it. Um, So that's another thing to keep in mind. But to the families who are out there, who have a daughter or a son going through what I went through, whether it be bulimia, anorexia, or any form of ED at all, please know that there is support out there for you as well. If there is one thing that I can tell a family member, um, one thing that I would hope that they would take away is just listen. Just be there. Sit there with them. Because right now, whatever storm they're going through, they feel very alone. And they are going through a daily battle that you can't see, but it is real nonetheless. So if you just sit there in that moment with them, that right there is extremely powerful, more than you will ever know. My mother, finally, when I had the courage, she was phenomenal. She actually sat with me during mealtimes and would tell me, it's okay. It's okay. Every single bite. And that was huge for me because with her encouragement, I was able to take that next bite knowing that I was safe with her because I wasn't safe in my mind at that point. Wow. Was that, when was that? 2011 then? Same moment or? No. So that was when I really started taking recovery seriously. So when I started eating again, Uh um, in my mind and it's, it's, it's very hard to understand if you haven't had it, but you can definitely empathize with it. When I saw myself in the mirror, I'd see myself 50 pounds heavier. Mm. It was an illusion in a sense. But when I put food in my mouth, I had this irrational fear that I was going to blow up like a whale. Like I really thought the next day I would wake up and I would be 100 pounds heavier. And then all of my fears would be realized. Mm. So when I made this known to my mother, she truly did sit with me. And so around 2012, 2013... Whenever she came to visit, it was, um, you're okay. Mm. And I also let my friends know this. I had a great group of friends at the time who were very supportive that I lived with. I was in a sorority and a lot of my sorority sisters knew and they would come behind me and they would sit with me. You're okay. You're Mm. okay. Yeah. So even friends, like you are you have something so powerful which is just who you are just to sit with them in that moment dang that's so good (laughs) i i love yeah like you said something so powerful happens when someone just sits in that with you Mm -hmm. holds your hand Mm -hmm. and says that you're okay Mm -hmm. ah i love that (laughs) and i think i mean i'm such a again physical touch person yes (laughs) that like holding holding someone's hand just makes life reality again yes like your feelings are here 
sit in them. Your body's here. Sit in this environment. Like be with me and we can feel this and go through this together. Yes. Like so good. And there's a reason why that's a love language. We have various different love languages, right? Mm -hmm. And one of them are words of affirmation and the other one, another one is touch, Mm -hmm. you know, and right there you're doing two of them. Yeah. So you're meeting two of the needs out of whatever else they may need. I mean, just asking them, what do you need right now? Even that is so powerful. Yeah. You know? (laughs) And you probably, I mean, you've been able since your whole journey, probably have been able to identify like that moment was powerful because they asked what I needed or they asked how I was. And that simple question and that simple word of like, Hey, I'm here with you. What do you Mm -hmm. need? Opens up so many gateways of healing, of conversations, of being able to like truly sit in your feelings and be like, this is reality. Let me step forward in this process with someone. Uh, I, I can't speak highly enough about that because it's, it's just so, it's so powerful. It is so, so powerful. powerful, but it is not easy. Yeah. By the way, mm-hmm. um, it is hard to sit with somebody and to take that on. Yeah. And I've realized that over the course of my journey as well, it was hard for my family, not only to, sit there but to watch me just fade away I mean my mom she she saw a lot and she went through a lot she had many nights where she was up crying because she thought I was going to pass away in my sleep Mm. in a sense um and but she continued to sit there and it was one of the reasons why I knew I had at one point in my chapter felt abandoned by her and then when I needed her the most she came to sit with me showed up mm-hmm. she showed up mm. wow with your with your whole relationship with your brother like how has that been able to <laughs> where is that now i guess yeah oh man you know it's uh so we're twins and right. we have always had a close relationship it has definitely been up and down um my brother has struggled with his own mental health issues for a very long time but we have finally gotten to a place where we're learning how to be adults and how to have a relationship as adults Mm. but my brother is doing much better he is um he's got his own job and girlfriend and we're back on the way to being close you know it, it but it's hard it's really hard after all of all of the past but when we look back and when we can reflect on it it made us closer Mm. ultimately um we still have our our moments just like any family member does i think what's been really hard for him is to accept for a long time he took on some of that blame of me getting sick And we had a conversation where I was like, no, like, that was not your fault, right? None of that was your fault. It was just the world that we lived in, and it was a way that I coped, right? And he had to go through his own journey of accepting that, because I had already forgiven him. Mm -hmm. But he had to forgive himself, and that's been his own story, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And it's taken him a lot of time to heal, right? Because we went through, we went through a war zone. Like that's exactly what it was because he was sick and he was going through his own self-harm and suicidal ideations. And then I was sick and I almost, you know, lost my life to my eating disorder. 
and my parents had to watch both of this, all of this take place. So um, it's been quite a journey for the family to heal, Mm -hmm. but we're finally getting to the point where we see the purpose that God had for all of us in it. We all had a role to play and we've all been able to give back in some way, shape or form because of our pain. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's cool. That's, I mean, that's hopeful for a lot of families. Mm. A lot of times you feel like one, well, or you at least see like one person out of, let's say a family of five dealing with something like what you've dealt with and having that then, or even just allowing that to destroy everything else. Mm -hmm. Like it's so easy to do that. Mm -hmm. So easy to just let that go Mm -hmm. and to be like, I can't, Mm -hmm. I, I, or yeah, I can't engage with this or I can't, um, take steps towards that, that Mm -hmm. healing. I think as Christians, right. Um, we often forget that we live in a fallen world. We forget that this world is the evil one. I guess that's what I would call him. I don't know. It's like weird to talk about it, but you know, he's very smart. Yes. And he sees our shortcomings and our weaknesses and where we're vulnerable. And he's able to see it in each of us. And he targets that. So he targeted me in one way. He targeted my brother in another. He targets you in one way and your friends. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes we do falter. Sometimes we do fall into that hole. But what's so great about our God is that there's always a way out. Mm-hmm. And there's always light where there's darkness. We always have that choice. Yeah. We always have the choice to choose him. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for sharing yes. that thing. Literally every, every, I guess, topic we've touched on, like there's some, again, what you're speaking on, hope. Like there's some yes. type of hope out of every either hard conversation or hard battle you've been able to face mm-hmm. or like family drama that you might be, able, <laughs> might be facing, you know, mm-hmm. even right now, today. But you have, just from our time together, ended at each sentence with, literally hope and I really hope that that speaks volumes into whoever's listening today on this episode with you thank oh, you I hope dang. so yeah I, I mean me too I'm definitely and just praying before this with you I was like this is something that's going to be good so thank you I'm very very excited for someone to hear this mm-hmm. but before we close out this episode I, I really want to know like you know from just hearing where you were, your journey through that. And then now like, what is next for you? Like, I know obviously your occupation is very something that you're focused on, Mm -hmm. but yeah. What's next for Corinne? You know, the pages are still being written. Um, (laughs) and we all, I feel that I get it. (laughs) Yeah. We're all there. We're all writing our own story. Um, so I am currently a therapist in San Juan Capistrano. I am working towards my hours for licensure. So hopefully within the next couple of years, I'll be a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, and you know, you never know if another book is going to be in the works and whatnot, but, um, yeah, I am just trying to figure out 
my next steps in regards to it's interesting I'm in a place in my journey where my whole world my whole identity has been about my recovery and so now that I'm a therapist I'm trying to find the balance about taking care of myself as well as taking care of my career and trying to think about where do I want to be where do I want to go and I think there's something so important about that of asking yourself where do I want to be where does God want me to be in this moment so right now I am in a place of calm and Mm -hmm. silence and just waiting for God to tell me where to go next Mm -hmm. but I am a therapist (laughs) hopefully maybe someday I'll be a professor or we'll see who knows (laughs) well I'm excited for you especially just being able to continue to share your story in that platform Mm -hmm. is probably so so cool to to see God work in that way that you never really you know could have imagined whatsoever and if anybody listening needs some extra support or wants to reach out please um please do um i would love to continue talking with people who are interested or um who have questions i'm always a resource yeah yeah and her information is going to be all over my instagram and all (laughs) over the description of this podcast but Oh gosh. With all that to say, <laughs> thank you so much Absolutely. for being here thank and you. sharing. And, um, again, like she said, if you have any questions, um, anything else you would like to know about Corinne's story or, you know, want any advice, wisdom at all, feel free to DM her or, you know, contact her, <laughs> let her know that you're, you're here for, yeah. For, I mean, you have at least let everyone know that you're here for, Um, their support and encouragement which is so powerful thank you for allowing me this space taylor and thank you so much for you know just providing a platform for people to come and listen just to different people talk about different things it's awesome what you're doing here thank you thanks it's been amazing to meet new people too along the way and to give you a platform (laughs) to make sure and also to make sure you know that you're story is very very valuable thank you in this space so appreciate that yeah of course. <laughs> <laughs> so great yes. High five. Oh yes. my gosh. that was so awesome how do you feel about it i feel really good actually good. there's things on there i've never talked about before so dang um there you go that's interesting okay, like nobody's cool. asked me about <laughs>